Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is a Wednesday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got a fun one planned for y'all. We're going to do a statistical deep dive from the last five weeks, the 5-0 and stretch here for your Miami Dolphins team stats and rankings, the individuals as well. Plus, we heard from Dolphins coordinators today, Danny Crossman, Josh Boyer, and Coach George Godsey. We'll play the highlights from those pressers. A big congratulations off the top to Jerome Baker on his nomination for the Miami Dolphins Walter Payton Man of the Year representation. We'll hear from Josh Boyer on Jerome Baker from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. I love our time we get with the coaches for media every single Tuesday. Every other Tuesday, it's all the coaches, and the other Tuesdays, it's the coordinators. I always learn something, and as we like to do here on the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, presented by Auto Nation, is that we want to teach you those things as well. Let's go ahead and kick it off with George Godsey, Dolphins co-OC, who fielded back-to-back questions about wide receiver Devontae Parker to kick off his availability. Let's go to Godsey first to discuss what Parker's reinsertion into the lineup does for Miami. I mean, it creates a lot of a lot of defensive issues outside. Um, it does a good job blocking in the run game. Uh, he's got a lot of experience to help out to the guys in the meeting room. You know, he hasn't necessarily been there every day because of his treatment and making sure he's trying to get on track to get back in the lineup. So, uh, just having his experience is, you know, and his productivity out there is is definitely a you know a helpful helpful thing for a whole unit. Travis. Hey, Coach. Good morning. My question was kind of in that same vein, but I was curious about the back shoulder balls that you guys hit to the Parker on Sunday. I was just curious about how that process plays out. Is that pre-snap he knows he's going back shoulder? Is it an adjustment post-snap? How does that work out for Tula and Parker? Yeah, I mean, I, in my opinion, I mean, I think you just throw it to the guy and let him let him catch it because he's done that and he's proven that in his career. And uh, there's a lot of evidence on tape of guys that have his ability that just – get up there and catch the ball, whether it's behind them, in front of them, you know, a jump ball. Uh, so as many times as we can get the ball in his vicinity, we like it. Uh, but as you're dropping back and, you know, you're, you're deciphering what's going on defensively uh, before you get ready to throw that ball over to that player, you know, it's all about where the defender is and how I want to place that ball really on every route. Um, so, you know, a lot of times on in cuts, you see them thrown low. And that's really to save the guy from a headache of a guy coming there to, to knock him out. And it's the same thing on the on the sideline. You know, a guy's playing the ball deep, then you want to throw the ball, you know, where it's in a position uh, for for just our guy to get it. So uh, a lot of that, you know, plays into to, to a C in the defense, you know, post snap. Really good stuff there from Coach Godsey. And if you want to go to the YouTube channel uh, after the fact here on the podcast, all of those media vels, as always, will be posted to the Dolphins' YouTube channel. And kind of back to that point here, I was looking up the PFF numbers because I was curious where Parker stood in contested catches because of the t- the games and the time he has missed this season. 
He's still number two in the league going back to 2019 behind only Marvin Jones with 53 contested catches. Marvin Jones with the Lions and Jaguars, of course. Thought that was a very impressive number there. We know what Parker does very well. He pulls in contested balls with the best of them. Up next, Josh Boyer talked about Jerome Baker and what he does that makes him worthy of the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. There's plenty of stuff to talk about here with Jerome Baker. You know, the thing that sticks out about Bake to me is, you know, he, he's a very even-keeled guy. Uh, I think he's got a good perspective on uh, you need balance in life. And I think that, uh, you know, our, our sole focus, um, you know, when we're in the building is really about getting better and executing better, coaching better, and uh, becoming better football players. Uh, I think, you know, oftentimes what gets lost in that is the balance of being a good human being and, uh, you know, being kind, being considerate, uh, being able to be compassionate by listening. And uh, I think Bacon embodies all those things. I think he, he's got a good balance of football uh, and he knows when to um, – you know, put in the time uh, solely for football. And he also has that, um, you know, once he leaves the building, there's a lot of other things that that he embodies uh, that I think he shows while he's in the building and when he's out. So I think he does a good job of, uh, you know, just having that balance in life that probably all of us, regardless of profession, are searching for. Really good stuff there and couldn't agree more. Balance is very important in this life and whatever profession or whatever walk you're in, finding that balance is certainly key. And for Jerome to give back the way he has and really in so many ways kind of dedicate himself to giving back and being a man of service within his community. So that was awesome to hear there from Josh Boyer. We'll hear more from that later this week on the Drive Time podcast, perhaps sometime next week. Something special for you guys coming up on Drive Time here down the pike with Jerome Baker. Let's go ahead and move on to the the uh, idea of batted passes at the line of scrimmage. The Dolphins lead the league in that category. Here's Coach Boyer on the idea or the stat and the execution of batting passes down at the line. Well, you know, it's it's no different than, like, um, tackling. Um, you know, so uh, we, we have specific drills that we use uh, that have specific coaching points, uh, just like we do with tackling, um, just, just like we do with, uh, you know, interceptions, um, just like we do with defeating blocks. Um, so, um, and it's something that I would say as a defense – that, you know, we highlight, uh, and really we started that a year ago uh, with, the, with the batted balls and um, kind of explain the impact that they have on the game. And, uh, you know, our players have bought into, one, the impact that they have in the game, but two, the drills that we ask them to do. And then obviously we're seeing some success um, or some carryover from the drills that we do in practice to, um, you know, when they do them in group periods versus – you know, whether it be our offense or a show team uh, to game situations, uh, I think you kind of all see that carry over. But, yeah, there's definitely things that um, we do to try to increase the odds on that. And when you can do it, you know, because there's certain situations that, that you would not want to be in that position. Um, so, you know, we kind of try to tie all those things in together, just a situational awareness and knowing understanding. And then obviously – you know, our, our players know and understand the impact of, of a batted ball and how big it is to us as a defense uh, to keep offenses off track. 
Yeah, those lost plays that, that Josh was kind of talking about there with regards to you, you reject a pass at the line of scrimmage, you essentially put yourself in position to, to waste a down for the offense. And when you're early in the down count, let's say you get a first down run stop, you then swat a pass down on second down. All of a sudden, you're in third and long, which is where this defense can really get cooking and get some of those sacks, those negative plays that can help further flip the field in the special teams game. And at the best case scenario, you take the football away and put the offense in position to make a big score on the other end. It all works together. It's all cyclical. All these plays matter. The play before the play, one of my favorite themes here on the Drive Time podcast, and the batted passes are a big point of emphasis, and you see that play out just like the takeaways, just like the third down defense, just like quarterback pressure, all that stuff this defense really predicates itself on. It's worked on, it's drilled on every single day, and you get the results as a result of that work. We've got one more here for Coach Boyer, who was asked about Jalen Phillips and his recent surge. You're going to hear his name a lot in our stats deep dive here in just one second, but first, let's go ahead and hear from Coach Boyer about how rookie Jalen Phillips puts himself in position to have success on Sundays. Well, I think first it starts with he, he plays with great effort. I mean, he, he plays with great effort, um, you know, and he's blessed with, um, you know, he has, a, he has a good amount of explosion to him. He, you know, he has a good first step. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the thing with Jalen that, you know, he's always playing with effort and, you know, and a lot of our guys do. I mean, you'll see Adam Butler, you'll see Christian Wilkins, you'll see Jalen Phillips, you'll see these guys 20 yards downfield on a pass play. And, um, you know, um, so I, I think, you know, when they play with that effort and that intensity, um, you know, it, not only does it seem like they're all over the field, they literally are. Let's go ahead and finish up with special teams coordinator Danny Crossman, who was asked a question about, is there a common denominator across the missed field goals of Jason Sanders? Because I think he has a pair of missed kicks between the under 40-yard range, the 40- to 49-yard range, and 50-plus. Is there a common denominator there between those misses? Here's Coach Crossman. There's not. And and as as odd as this is going to sound, I wish there was. Because then this would, you know, would be an easier, uh, an easier fix, you know. So they've been mid, they've been long, they've been short, they've been left, they've been right. So, you know, I, I go back to that. I mean, and and you guys aren't at practice every day, but you guys were at training camp. J- Jason's been the same guy, you know. He's been all year, uh, you know. That 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 missed opportunity, that that ball that creeps in there is just creeping in at the wrong time. Uh, so he still strikes a lot of really good balls and uh, and we still have great confidence in him. We just, you know, again, I've said it a million times, you know, that, that play is designed to score points and, uh, you know, we got to get those points. All right, there you go. So once again, go check out the YouTube channel for the media availabilities from Tuesday, December the 7th with Coach Crossman, Coach Boyer, and Coach Godsey. This is our normal deep dive show. And since there's no game on Sunday to kind of turn the page and look ahead to, want to look back over this five-game winning streak and just where this team stacks up as a whole as well as the individuals who have played the most snaps. So buckle up, here we go. And before we do get into that, just remember this kind of information going into this little deep dive. If you didn't play a certain amount of snaps, you were not included in this grouping because it was tough to get the league rankings from these guys that haven't played enough snaps to qualify in certain areas. So keep that in mind here as we go forward. But I wanted to take a look at the general Dolphins statistics here that are not neither offense nor defense. And we start with point differential over the five-game stretch. This is between weeks nine and weeks 13. And 
Yes, some teams will have played only four games compared to Miami's five, but you'll see that kind of benefit Miami and also cost them in some areas. But a lot of these stats also are efficiency-based. So now that the 45 disclaimers are done, which lead the league, by the way, let's go ahead and jump right in. Point differential, plus 61 over the five games. That's the third best in the National Football League behind the Patriots and Colts. The Dolphins are plus 32 in first halves. That's fifth and plus 29 in the second half. That's tied for third. So good balance there for Miami. Their yard margin is plus 208. That's 11th in the National Football League. Their passing yardage margin is plus 231. That's seventh best over those five weeks. The turnover margin, plus four. That's tied for sixth in the National Football League. A lot of top 10 rankings here. That's how you wind up going unbeaten over a five-game stretch. Their time of possession margin is plus 442. That's eighth best in the NFL. Their sack differential, plus seven. That's tied for second best in the NFL. Net EPA, expected points added, is 57.37. That's second highest. They're also second in defensive EPA. The general EPA is total offense and defense. Their passing EPA, they're 12th. And their defensive passing EPA, they are first. Good recipe there for modern day football to win by stopping the pass and throwing the football effectively. How about the defense's numbers over these last five weeks with takeaways? 11 of them is tied for third in the NFL. Their points per game, 11 points per game allowed is also third in the NFL. In rushing totals, yards per game, 84.8 is fourth best for fewest for the Miami run defense. Their yards per play, passing or rushing, is 4.47 allowed. That's third best in the NFL. Their interception per attempt, 4%, that's sixth. Their sacks per attempt at 9.5%, that is fifth. Their third down percentage at 33.3%. So one out of every three third downs this defense faces, they're getting off the field, or rather they're allowing conversions. So two thirds, they're getting off the field. That's eighth best over that five game stretch. They are the number one red zone defense over this five game winning streak at 23.1% touchdown conversion rate. You're going to win a ton of football games. And that's why they allowed no touchdowns to the Giants, one touchdown to the Panthers. Was it? Two touchdowns to the Jets, one touchdown to the Ravens, and no touchdowns to the Texans. Not bad at all. Goal-to-go situations inside the 10-yard line, 50% they get stops on those. That's tied for second best with Kansas City, Tennessee, and Detroit. New England's first at 40% over that stretch. A lot of these teams in this little category here, the Patriots and the Chiefs, those are the teams that have winning streaks right now. As far as team uh, the defensive individuals go, Christian Wilkins ranks sixth in ESPN's run-stop win rate at 45%. That's over the entire season, though, just so you guys are aware of that. 14 run-stops over the five-game winning streak is tied for eighth. His 13 pressures with a sack, two hits, and uh, 10 hurries is 23rd among all interior defensive linemen. So he's top 23 in pass rushing, top, what is it, eight in run defense. I mean... He's a complete player at this point. Zach Sealer, nine run stops, six quarterback pressures. That's one hit in that category. He is sixth in run stops among his position mates over the five-game stretch. Raquan Davis has seven run stops and two quarterback pressures. Adam Butler has four run stops and 11 quarterback pressures, two sacks and two hits over that run. At the off-ball linebacker position, Jerome Baker has 13 pressures over the five-game period. He's second among off-ball linebackers in that category. Three of those are QB hits. He has 12 run stops. That's 22nd among off-ball linebackers. So again, top 22 and top two in run stop and pass rush win rate. 
82 reception or receiving yards rather on 137 coverage snaps. So he is allowing less than one yard per coverage snap. It's a very good number to be at. He has a pick in the stretch as well. Alandon Roberts has three quarterback pressures and six run stops, while Duke Riley has two pressures and four run stops over the five-game winning streak. Run stops are rundown tackles made within two yards of the line of scrimmage. So if you win a rundown, make a stop, basically you get a run stop. Let's talk about the edge players here. This is going to blow your guys' minds away. Emmanuel Ogba, over five games, <laughs> 22 quarterback pressures is third most among his position group. Three and a half sacks, two hits. His eight run stops are third most. So top three in pressure and run stop win right there for Emmanuel Ogba. Jalen Phillips has 19 pressure. That's tied for ninth. Seven sacks, three hits, eight run stops. Both he and Ogba are tied at 22nd for run stops over that stretch among edge defenders. Andrew Van Ginkle has 21 pressures. That's tied for fifth. One and a half sacks, eight quarterback hits. His 13 run stops are also uh, 13th among edge defenders. And he makes his first appearance among ESPN's run stop win rate at 10th among edge defenders with 28%. That's the entire season for that stat. That's the only stat we're talking about today that covers the entire season. Moving into the defensive secondary, Xavier Howard has two picks over the five games. A hundred, and this is for corners, is ridiculous to be under one. Linebacker safety is one thing. For a corner to be under one in the stat is completely bonkers. 179 receiving yards on 222 coverage snaps. He has a QB pressure and three run stops. Byron Jones has allowed 301 receiving yards per pro football focus on 223 coverage snaps, and he has three run stops. Nick Needham has a pick over that stretch, 124 receiving yards on 84 coverage snaps. He also has two pressures and six run stops. Justin Coleman, two picks over that stretch and just 49 receiving yards allowed on 109 coverage snaps. He's allowing less than a half yard per coverage snap. That's fantastic work from Justin Coleman. Javon Holland has two picks over the five-game stretch. Nine QB pressures leads all NFL safeties, a sack and two hits. He has three run stops, and he's allowing just 28 receiving yards on 184 coverage snaps. Brandon Jones, despite missing two games, has four quarterback pressures. That's second among all NFL safeties over that stretch. His four run stops are also up there as well. 87 receiving yards allowed on 71 coverage snaps. And Eric Rowe has three quarterback pressures, 10 run stops over this period, which is tied for third among safeties. And he has 127 receiving yards allowed on 168 coverage snaps. And plenty of that's in the slot as well. So not just the safety position. Not bad, huh? How about offensively? I tweeted about this in a damn near broke Twitter. 50 plus yard plays in the NFL over these five game periods. This five game period. Miami has four of them. The 52 yarder to Isaiah Ford against Baltimore. That was off the hand of Jacoby Brissett. The 64 yarder to Albert Wilson in that same game from Tua in the second half of that game. The 65 yard touchdown pass to Mac Hollins at the Jets. And the 57 yard strike to Jalen Waddell at home against Carolina. Those four 50-plus yard plays, most in the National Football League. As far as 20-plus yard plays, Miami has 11. That's tied for 19th, all but one of those via the air. Their red zone efficiency over the stretch, 62.5% tied for 12th. Their goal-to-go efficiency is 76.9%. That's 13th, and that's primarily through the air. Their passing yards per game, 242.2 yards per game is 11th best in the National Football League since week nine. Their interception per attempts is just 1.6. That's eighth best, eighth fewest. Their third down conversion rate is 44.4%. That's ninth best. 
in the National Football League since week nine. Their fourth down conversion rate, they are one of three teams who are 100% over that period, Baltimore and Tampa Bay, the others. Their points per game, 23.2, is 12th best in the NFL. Their 100 first downs over a five-game period is 10th best in the NFL, and their 11 touchdowns scored are tied for 14th most. The team passer rating is 93.6. That's 10th best over that period. A bit of an NFL drop-off here in passing game production over the last five or six weeks, and Miami's is going the opposite direction, trending up. Completion percentage, 69.7% is 7th best in the NFL. Tua's ranks per pro football focus, minimum 100 pass attempts. YPA over the last five games, 7.7 yards per pass. That's sixth best in the NFL. His five touchdown passes are tied for 16th most. His one interception, he's one of five regular starting quarterbacks with more than 100 pass attempts to have one or fewer interceptions over this five-game span. His sack percentage is the sixth lowest in the NFL. His quarterback rating, 109.2, is fourth best. And Kyler Murray's up there as well, but he has just 15 pass attempts. He does not qualify. So the 109.2 passer rating, fourth best over the last five weeks for Tua Tungabailoa. Jalen Waddell is fourth in receiving yards, second in catches. He's fourth in yards per route run, minimum 20 targets. He's seventh in yards after the catch with 152. He's fourth in catch percentage at 82.6. He's third in first downs with 24. So... Fourth, second, fourth, seventh, fourth, third across the National Football League over these last five weeks. Big time playmaker there. We'll go with the volume stats here as there's not really any rankings for the rest of the players here across the NFL, but we'll go with the one qualifying running back here to start this. Miles Gaskin over the five games, 88 rush attempts, 247 yards, three rushing touchdowns, 11 first downs. He's caught 14 of 16 targets for 52 yards and a touchdown. So four total TDs in five games for Miles Gaskin. That'll play. Albert Wilson has 17 catches for 259 over the five games. Matt Collins has six for 99, but three touchdown receptions over the five games. He also has three special teams tackles per PFF over that stretch. Isaiah Ford, six of seven targets he's caught for 97 yards and a touchdown. Mike Gesicki has 19 grabs for a buck 67 over the five games. And Durham Smythe has 12 catches on 13 targets for 119. How about some quarterback pressures allowed here? We did not include the center because Austin Ryder and Michael Dieter and even some Greg Manns in there. Uh, Cameron Tom, I think, played a snap as well. So we didn't use the center here. But Liam Eikenberg, three sacks, five hits, 23 hurries over a five-game period. Austin Jackson, two sacks, one hit, 10 quarterback hurries over that period. That's not a bad number right there at all for Austin Jackson. Robert Hunt, even better. One sack, one hit, and 10 pressures allowed. He also has a 73% run block win rate on ESPN for the whole season, which ranks eighth most, or eighth best rather, among offensive guards. Jesse Davis, three sacks, two hits, 19 quarterback pressures. And then how about special teams? Net yards per punt is 42.11. That's 12th best in the NFL. That's my numbers podcast. Brief and short. Took a long time to get those numbers for you guys. So I hope you appreciate them and enjoy them. Let's go ahead and make some NFL picks here before we get out of here on a short edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We were 10 and 4 last week, 128 and 64 and 1 on the season. Give me a second. I'm going to pull up some math here really quickly because I don't know how to do math so well. So I want to find out what that winning percentage is. 128 plus 64 is 192. 128 divided by 192. 
Eh, not great. 67% winning percentage. We want to be 75. That's probably not going to happen this year. But I digress. On week 14, Thursday night, we're going with the Vikings over the Steelers. We're taking the uh, Browns over the Ravens on Sunday, the Titans over the Jaguars, the Chiefs over the Raiders, the Saints over the Jets, the uh, Dallas Cowboys over the Washington football team. We'll take the Falcons over the Panthers, the Seahawks over the Texans, the Broncos over the Lions, take the Chargers over the Giants, although you want to hopefully pull for the NFC teams against AFC teams here down the stretch. San Francisco, Cincinnati, that's a tough one because you have playoff implications. You have next year's draft implications. I'll be pulling for this year's you know, standings more than anything else. We'll take the Niners to win that game. The Bucks over the Bills, the Packers over the Bears, and the Cardinals over the Rams. All right, short condensed version here of the Drive Time Podcast for y'all today. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any questions about stats or numbers, please hit me up on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. We have some fun podcasts coming your way because basically from now until Thursday preview day next week, we're going to find some different uh, types of podcasts and get out of the way of the formula we typically do here on Drive Time. So keep it tuned for that. We'll be with you guys all five days next two weeks unless we cut one show off. I think we'll have five shows per week these next two weeks. But in the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me and the Miami Dolphins on Twitter. I'm at Wingfield NFL. The Dolphins are at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. They had Nat Moore on the podcast this week. Also, the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today with myself, Joanna Torres, and Rachel Smith, and our media availabilities as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, Daddy, 